How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Well, what's up, New Orleans? What's up across the Gulf South? And to you listening across the world at WWL.com and the Radio.com app. Welcome on into the show. We got lots of Saints to talk about as they're heading off to the West Coast, traveling west, Route 66. No, well, way above it in the air, private jet. They leave tomorrow. We're going to practice with the Chargers, and then it's game time with the Chargers on Sunday. Lots to talk about there. Steve Court will be on the show, my partner in crime on Sundays and Saints game day, former Saints offensive lineman. He joins us at 8.32 to break that down. Going to start talking LSU, however, and something that came across right after the show Got done last night. I think this was actually released in the middle of our show yesterday, so I didn't get to it yesterday. didn't really have time to dive into this. But that was Pro Football Focus releasing their list of the top 130 quarterbacks in college football. Now, you might hear the name PFF and think Pro Football Focus, but they've actually branched out to college quite a bit the last handful of years. They do a great job in college just like they do the pros. You'll be interested to hear where – Joe Burrow lands on this. Maybe where Tulane's Justin McMillan lands on this list also. We'll get to that in just a couple of seconds. Plus, tonight on the show, we go inside NFL training camp, a couple of different places. We go to Cincinnati, and then we go to Oakland. And, of course, it's Hard Knocks night. Hard Knocks returning today. So perfect time for us to take a another look at the Raiders. And, yes, Antonio Brown is back. We've got some Antonio Brown sound for you a little bit later in this show. Plus, Ollie Cosell will dive in to the Pelican schedule with this editor-in-chief of thebirdrights.com. That's our show for you tonight. And look, this is your show as it is the entire three hours to 11 o'clock tonight. Phone lines are wide open for you, 504-260-1870. Our text line is 870-870. Our Blue Runner Gumbo opinion poll today, if the Saints can keep only one receiver, and I, it might come down to this, might not, they might keep multiple of these guys. I don't think they're keeping all three. If you could keep one of these receivers, which one are you keeping? I have a feeling I know which one is going to win this poll. Austin Carr, Little Jordan Humphrey, or Emmanuel Butler. If we consider that Ted Ginn, Michael Thomas, and Traquan Smith are squarely on this roster, and I think Keith Kirkwood is almost a lock to make this roster, might be a lock to make this roster, considering his production late in the season last year, that's four receivers. They usually keep five. If you get some special teams play out of one, you might keep six. They're not keeping seven. I mean, you're probably keeping one of these three, maybe two. But if you're making those cut downs and you got to keep one, which is it? Carr, Humphrey, or Emmanuel Butler, and you only get one? You tell us. Now, back to LSU. As pro football focus, I, there is not a, a site and a group of of guys and gals that cover football that I like more and I like reading more on a daily basis than PFF and, like I said, their college site. Yesterday they released their top 130 list of college football quarterbacks. So they rated every FBS projected starter, all the data from last year. Yes, a little subjectivity in this 
and uh, they were rated and voted upon. But this is more analytical than it is, again, subjective, although there's a little subjectivity. No surprise, the top two quarterbacks, and maybe you uh, can nitpick about the order, but Trevor Lawrence at Clemson was number one. Tua Tugavaloa was number two. I think everybody in the country thinks that it's Tua and it's Trevor Lawrence, one, two, or two, one, however order you want to have them in. Then you got Justin Abair at three, a Mason Fine of North Texas. Yes, North Texas has a first-round prospect in Mason Fine. Texas' Sam um, Ellinger is six. Where do you think Joe Burrow fell in this? Not too far down. Joe Burrow did not fall way down this list. He's at number 17. And I'm just going to read you the caption that Pro Football Focus has on Joe Burrow. Burrow found himself a home with the Tigers in 2018, leading way to a career-high overall grade and a 78.8 passing grade after two seasons of limited snaps at Ohio State. Burrow averaged 7.7 yards per attempt while dominating when kept clean from pressure. And that's key. We'll get to that in just a second. Back to the caption, his 80, uh, 90.5 excuse me, passing grade from a clean pocket is a clear sign of potentially even bigger things to come for he and the LSU offense as he'll have a slew of new talented pass catchers to get the ball to in 2019. And Burrow actually earned himself a, a graphic in this. About one out of every three or four quarterbacks got a graphic included in this and has all of his stats from last year, his adjusted completion percentage of 708 clean passer rating of 103.3 and his overall grade of 80.2 so just to show you where pro football focus has lsu joe burrow kind of the group of peers that he is with ian book of notre dame is 18 nathan rourke of ohio is 19 justin fields of ohio state one spot above burrow at 16 bryce perkins at virginia is 15 uh, Michigan's Shea Patterson is 13. So he's in that group, according to Pro Football Focus. So this is maybe a, a pat on the back to everybody here. Tim Zimmer, you're listening probably. I'm looking at you and a lot of LSU fans who have been carrying the Joe Burrow can be elite banner this offseason that we've talked so much about on this show. If Pro Football Focus is saying this, it's a possibility. Now, some of these guys are going to fall. Some of these guys are going to rise way up high. But Burrow being number 17, that means he's not too far away from Heisman contention, according to Pro Football Focus, because if you're a top five quarterback in the country, top six or seven quarterback even, you're at least going to be in the periphery of that conversation. It's just the position that you play, and you're playing at a school like LSU, who's a top 10 program entering the preseason, anywhere from number 8 to number 6, depending on the publication or the poll that you look at. That means their quarterback is close enough where he's going to get some attention here if LSU starts reeling off wins in the early season. I thought it was really interesting because if I was putting my own list together, and I'll just be honest, like I've said on this show many times, I like Joe Burrow a lot. I think he's the best LSU quarterback since at least Matt Flynn. At least. And that's probably propping Matt Flynn up a little bit more than just what he won a you know national championship. I think numbers-wise, Joe Burrow could blow him away this season. I like Burrow. I don't think LSU 
is in this position as the number six team in the coaches poll without Joe Burrow. But if I'm ranking all of the quarterbacks in the country, I don't know if I'm having in at number 17, just from a talent perspective. I think this is more of a nod to the talent LSU has put around him. So did Justin McMillan is here as well. Justin McMillan way down on this list. He's at number 112, the two-lane quarterback and LSU transfer. I'll read you a little caption here from PFF. An LSU transfer, McMillan is a dual-threat quarterback with accuracy issues in the pocket. His adjusted completion percentage from a clean pocket ranks 103rd out of 119 quarterbacks returning to action this year. Remember, that was the the battle at camp last year, and I'm using battle in air quotes. I think everybody knew that Joe Burrow was going to emerge victorious from that battle, but it was McMillan and Burrow battling heading into camp, and Burrow was named the starter, and Justin McMillan was on his way out. I just don't know how anybody, and I'm just being honest, I don't know how anybody really puts Joe Burrow next to or very close to guys like Jake Fromm or Brock Purdy, uh, Ellinger on this list, even K.J. Costello at Stanford who's kind of rocketing up these lists over the last couple of months. But I kind of get it. I kind of get it because if you're looking at big-time programs and, and teams that are in that national championship conversation, almost all those quarterbacks are going to be high on this list. Almost all of them. And that's where Joe Burrow lands on this PFF list at number 17. Too high or too low? I don't know. Maybe it's just right. You tell me. And I know we got a lot of Joe Burrow hype bandwagon fans uh they listen to the program every day and i hope y'all are right i hope joe burrow goes out there throws for four thousand yards 30 touchdowns lsu they're 12 and 0 11 and 1 heading into that sec championship game and he's squarely in the heisman conversation that would be awesome to cover i'd love to cover that every single day and be talking about every single day on the show and i just don't know if that's going to happen you tell us. Phone lines are now open for you. 504-260-1870. Where you at, LSU fans? 504-260-1870. And our text line is 870-870. More LSU news here coming back. Lots of injuries kind of mounting up or, I guess, sticking around at their camp. Many defenders gone. Offensive line shuffled around a little bit. We'll tell you what happened out at practice today and what Coach O had to say. Also, we will hear from Sadiq Charles and Lloyd Cushenberry two of the key guys on that uh, LSU offensive line. I'm Seth Dunlap. Logan's behind the glass tonight. The last lap. Just getting started on WWL. Got a text from the 225 with Joe Burrow's toughness. Could he find a home in the NFL in a position like Taysom Hill? I just don't see him as athletic as Taysom Hill. I don't think he's, frankly, nearly as athletic as Taysom Hill, but I'm not ruling anything out. I just I don't see him. I think there are very few athletes that, <laughs> frankly, that can play quarterback, running back, receiver, special teams like Taysom Hill does. Those guys don't grow on trees. At least can't play those positions effectively in the NFL like Taysom Hill does. Although the quarterback spot is morely uh, is mainly you know a couple of throws a season or something like that, or maybe a throw a game, and not actually as a starting quarterback. Text from the 985, I like Joe. I believe that if he progresses well enough, he needs uh, to um, play for the same. I'm not sure what the same means, but if he progresses, I think he'll be fine. And why wouldn't he progress? He's a year older. He's in the system for his second year. He's got Joe Brady there to 
you know, give him some pro-style advice and, and tinker with that system a little bit. Glenn Gilbo was telling me yesterday something interesting, that he doesn't believe this is going to be a vastly new offense. He thinks there will be wrinkles that are different. They'll be more up pace. They'll throw the ball more, especially vertically. But he doesn't think that you know this is going to be Joe Brady designing a Saint system here. It'll be interesting to watch it play out. This is all we talk about every single summer. We get three months of what's the LSU offense going to look like, and we're a couple of weeks away from it. I told you the LSU had a couple of starters still gone or projected starters at practice today. Two of the big names are Caleb on Chason and Christian Fulton, who were still not at practice. Also, three potential starting offensive linemen were out. And that's Sadiq Charles, Chasen Hines, and uh, Damian Lewis. Hines, left guard, Lewis, right guards, and, of course, uh, your junior left tackle, uh, Sadiq Charles, who did not practice. That's going to make things tough for Joe Burrow, even to get some work in, especially against a defense like this. But the defense is missing a lot of starters, too. We just told you that they're missing a guy off the defensive line, Caleb on Chason. Don't know how he's going to be coming back off that injury. Christian Fulton has still not been really out of practice at all because he's nursing that foot injury back I don't know how big of a problem this is going forward we're not going to get a lot of information from LSU or Coach Joe on this it's kind of a wait and see until we actually see probably the Texas game who's going to suit up and who's not going to suit up LSU players spoke after practice today uh, Lloyd Cushenberry who's the center on this team gotta love him that that veteran leadership there's no doubt he's that the rock that holds this group together and and holding them together right now with with kind of dental floss with all the injuries and the battles right and left of him he did say it's really frustrating all the injuries that are mounting up just like they did last year well I mean it does matter I get what he's saying there and that's what you have to say as a player but it does matter who's playing around you Lloyd and Lloyd knows that he's not going to throw his teammates under the bus but here was the first team offensive line for LSU and if they roll out something like this Watch out. It's not going to be pretty, especially in that Texas game. It was Treor at left tackle. Adrian McGee, who may be your starter at left guard, so that's not much of a drop-off, if any, there. Cushenberry at center. Campbell at right guard. And then Austin Dekulis, who may end up the starter at right tackle. We'll see. So you've got at least two guys playing today with that first team. And then your second team just gets all messed up. It's just weird after that. I guess... The the good news on that offensive unit is Jamal Pettigrew, the junior tight end, has practiced now two straight days. He'd been missing for most of the camp with an injury from this last summer, but he's been back. They're going to need production out of that tight end spot, especially if this offense is, well, a little new and revamped and improved like everybody's been telling us over the summer. Cool LSU news today with first team all-america honors cbssports.com predicted this and they have both christian fulton and grant delpit as first team preseason all-americans there's no real surprise there maybe slightly that fulton's a first team all preseason all-american at cbs sports we know grant delpit was going to be there he's one of the best defenders in the country might be the best player in the secondary anywhere in the country this year dbu is still dbu former u high linebacker dylan moses been covering him for a long time uh, in that alabama now he's on that first team uh, jennings running back travis etienne 
Uh, he's at Clemson. He's also on that first team. So lots of Louisiana ties to this first team and two players from LSU on that first team. We're going to take a break here for news. When we come back, we're going to shift our focus to the New Orleans Saints as their training camp. They took a day off today. They're going to have a walkthrough tomorrow at camp before they get on a jet. Think about 4 o'clock, between 4 and 5 o'clock. They're going to head off to Los Angeles, get there, get acclimated, and they're going to practice with the Chargers on Thursday and Friday and that game on Sunday. You want to talk some LSU or Saints with us? Give us a call, 504-260-1870. Our text line is 870-870. When we come back, Steve Court, former Saints offensive lineman, my partner on Saints game days, Saints Sunday, fans first take. He hops into the program as the last lap continues. Oh, man, we got a, a shot at Danny Etling on our text line at 870-870 from the 504. Even New England tired of Etling, or I guess maybe tried Etling. Yeah, New England released Danny Etling, the former LSU quarterback, today. He'll probably land somewhere. Not probably. He will land somewhere, at least on a practice squad, I would think. You're not in the Patriots organization as a quarterback behind Tom Brady with Bill Belichick in that system and just magically disappear from every NFL roster. He'll land somewhere. Let's go to Pierre and Gentilly. Pierre, what's going on? Hey, what's going on, Seth? I'm great. Pierre, how are you? I'm doing wonderful. I had a question. Uh, I know the Saints, do, they do this every year as far as going out and practicing with another team. Uh -huh. What do they get from those practices that they don't get from the practices when, they just, when it's just them? Uh, well, it's playing against a different group of guys. That seems obvious, but it needs to be said. A different system, and you're not familiar with that system. So if you're practicing as the Saints offense, right, and you're seeing the same defense, the same schemes, the same players, the same play calls defensively, for four weeks in practice, all of a sudden as an offense, you kind of get to know what's coming, right? Well, now you go to the Los Angeles, you're facing the Chargers, you don't know what's coming. Right. You know, I just hope uh, as far as uh, Davenport, you know, a lot of people have been overreacting, maybe underreacting. But I hope he gets, you know, gets some good work while he's out there and he has a better game. Uh, yeah, he does. And, and look, there are plenty of people, Pierre, to Marcus Davenport's discussion that we had yesterday on the show there's plenty of guys who perform better in games than practice right the old gamers now you got to show something in practice i just had the conversation yesterday i don't i'm not worried about marcus davenport too much at all but it is worth pointing out that he has done squadoosh at camp and in that first preseason game that's not taking a shot that's just telling you exactly what's happened and that's nothing with marcus davenport over these last couple of weeks thanks for the call pierre again our phone number is 504-260-1870 and our text line's 870-870. First, though, let's bring on in Steve Court, former Saints offensive lineman, and my co-host on – maybe I'm his co-host, actually. I'm his co-host on Fans First Take on Saints Game Day. Back in action this Sunday at 11 o'clock, getting you ready for Saints Chargers. Steve, what's going on, man? How you doing, buddy? I, look, I am great, man. It's uh, – you know this. It's kind of the dog days for us if we're covering this team, but it's it's fun, right? It's fun. We get to talk football every day. Well, that's true, too. So, yeah, I enjoyed it as well. Yeah. Well, thought, quick thoughts on Marcus Davenport. I, I haven't really uh, bugged you about this yet or texted you about mm -hmm. it. But like I said there, I think you heard me. He's done nothing. Uh, I'm, I'm, again, I'm not taking a shot. I'm just telling you, in, in practice, from what we've seen in that game, 19 snaps, no pressures, no sacks, really hasn't done anything in camp. I don't know how worried we should be, if at all. What do you see from him? 
I wouldn't be I wouldn't be too worried at this just this juncture. I think he's had to come a long way, obviously, since the uh, you know preceding year of the injury that he had, and I think that he's come back you know full strength now. And you, you've seen him sort of you know obviously get the benefit of having that second year, but probably not the full benefit as he would have had if he had he not been injured. So he's a little behind just from the standpoint is he haven't you know he hasn't had as many snaps as he would have had he not been injured, which is obvious, but. Look, I'm not too worried about him. I think he's put together a good body of work from the standpoint practice-wise. You know, I've, I did watch him practice, and, and it, to me it looks like he's um, a much different player than he was, you know, his rookie year. But, but yeah, you hopefully that he'll start to show up, you know, again in games and things. But, look, this would be, um, for instance, this week, this is, a, this is a great opportunity for him to really go out and sort of, show what he can do against another tackle or I guess another offensive line, another group of guys. I mean, you start knowing guys sort of what their pass rush moves are and, and you know, what they're going to try to do and what they do best uh, after you practice against them for a while and much less practice them for several weeks. So um, this would be a good opportunity for them to start, start uh, stepping up. What did you see from Trey Hendrickson? Had that, uh, that pressure, was pretty darn good every snap we saw him, Steve. Trey's got, he's one of those guys who's got a real high motor. I mean, there's no question. This guy is an effort player, um, and we've seen that before. And, and uh, look, he's a little bit he's a little bit a numbers undersized guy, but he makes up for it in, in hustle and, and really in just uh, he's got this motor that, that he sort of turns on, and he is, he is relentless. And I think that's where he plays his best. But I think if we can stay, keep him healthy, um, he's obviously a great addition to what we, you know, already have. We already know about him. Yeah, we know about him. We know about most of this defensive yeah. line. Even saw Malcolm Brown. It, you know, he's been showing yeah, yeah. out at practice. I mean, this defensive line is. Look, I don't know. I guess you got to get Sheldon Rankins back. Maybe not as talented top end, but certainly deeper, right, Steve, than we've seen. Well, no question. And like I think I told you before last week, I, I really sort of predict that, that our defensive line is going to be more prolific in sacks this year than they were last year. And I think that's saying a lot because I think we did pretty well last year. And I think that if we get the addition of, of, of Davenport coming in and then, you know, obviously Hendrickson, he'll be back with, with you know, in, you know, with full tilt. And, and then I think, you know, with what we've added with Malcolm Brown and, and some of the other guys up the middle, the fact that, you know, okay, we lost a couple of guys, but, but I think that with Sheldon, if he can come back and, and to continue to have some pop, I know it's kind of a difficult injury, and it hasn't been, you know, quite as long as it needs to be for him to come back to that to that level. But uh, it shouldn't take him too long to get shined up again before he's back out doing his thing. And so, not only does he give us depth, but I think that there's guys that, from what I've seen in camp so far, that um, seem to me like they have really, really sort of um, stressed sort of the pass rush, especially from the interior guys, not just the outside, not not just the Cam Jordans and the ports that are on the edge out there, but I'm talking about the guys that are in the interior, the three techniques and your nose tackles. Um, it seems to me like they've sort of stepped it up as far as uh, what they're supposed to do as far as uh, rushing the passer. Yeah, and isn't that always overlooked, Steve, what those guys are doing on the inside to take up bodies and also push the pocket, and then it's the guys on the outside who are getting all, yeah, you know, Seth, getting all the love? Yeah, Seth, well, Seth, you can't, because you can't see it. It's not, it's not as visible until, you know, it breaks free. Or unless it, you know it's a complete jailbreak and somebody you know turns somebody loose, but when you see this constant pressure over and over and over again, and and you notice that that pocket, when that quarterback is constrained because he can't step 
up in it, and then you see the fruition of it happen because, you know, you're getting a blitzing, you know, a, a blitzing linebacker, and or you're getting, a, you know, the ends come free around the outside, and they get sacked. You think it's, oh man, it's a great thing that we have those guys, and they're making up sacks. But a lot of times, those are all just incumbent upon the on the fact that that pocket's getting crushed by those guys in the interior, because that's really sort of where. Um, sort of the genesis of sacks are really sort of generated is really sort of in that interior. Steve Quartz here on the last lap at Saints 60 on Twitter. Longtime Saints offensive lineman, host of Fans First Take on Saints Game Day right here on WWL. Offensive side of the ball, Steve, he had to like what Teddy Bridgewater did. 14-19, buck 34, one touchdown, ran the offense pretty well. Yeah, I was uh, really pleased with watching him play. Uh, you know, certainly, I guess I guess I shouldn't say that in such a way that I was surprised. And I wasn't really surprised. I, I've seen him play winning football before. I saw him play winning football when he was with the Vikings, um, and sort of knew what he had had. And now the fact that, you know, he's been under the tutelage of Sean Payton and sort of gets to watch from Drew Brees. I can't think of a better spot that I would be in, uh, other than the fact that I wasn't a starting quarterback. Being in his position, so um, he's obviously taken uh, taken heed of this and 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 has, and has, and has grasped this learning opportunity that he has here because um, I watched him and I wasn't surprised at all the way that that he did things. And look, I think he's a he's a tremendous quarterback uh, in his own right without comparing him to anybody. Uh, so um, I don't want to see him for obvious reasons. But but should that ever come around, uh, you know, come about, then I certainly feel that pretty comfortable that we've got a guy that can that can handle it. Now, to say that he can handle it at, at you know number nine's level is is that's wrong. Um, it, that's not even close. But at the same time, uh, I think we still have a winning football team uh, with Teddy Bridgewater to helm. This time of camp and preseason, a lot of us and a lot of we, and I say we, me included. Uh, watch, watch a lot of the superficial stuff. We haven't played at the level you have. What are you watching for right now? Camp, preseason games, practices, Steve. What What are you looking for to kind of separate the you know the guys who are going to make this roster from not and everything else? Consistency. I mean, you can always get guys. Look, the guys that are at this level at all the time, and, and no matter what position they're at, they show flashes of of you know all pro and you know this that and the other, but. It's the consistency to be able to replicate that um, kind of performance, play after play after play, um, and I think that's really sort of the thing that they're looking for now. Is they're seeing the guys that can consistently put a string of practices and scrimmages and and preseason games together at a level that's at a winning percentage. I mean that's sort of broken down that way, but that's sort of the way you have to look at it because all these guys at this juncture are pretty good players, and again. Uh, sort of like last year, um, I think that maybe the five linemen that we released last year, I think they all ended up starting, you know, for other football teams. And I think the same thing uh, along the offensive line is going to be true this year. I think that we're going to put some guys on the street that are really, really good football players, and they're not going to be there for long because they're going to be picked up by other other teams uh, to replace what they've got, and uh, and they're going to be starters. We've got a a good problem to have, if I should say it that way. Yeah, the cutdowns are going to be incredibly tough. Uh, look, they always are, but this season yeah, especially. I'm really, really, really glad I don't have to do that. 
<laughs> right. That just would be, uh, oof, yeah, arduous. I don't want that. Jo- I mean, I know it comes with what you're making as a head coach and general manager, but that's, yeah, Steve, just the human part of it, right? Like sitting next to these guys. Well, and- the, the human part of it is, 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 yeah, something that you just walk in that those last couple of days when you know those cuts are coming and, uh, you can sort of feel the tension in the air and it's, um, it's not a happy place. It sort of has a, a, a little bit of a, a funeral feel to it in a sort of a way. Um, and you feel absolutely awful for the guys that you know are good enough players to be on the NFL roster. It's just not going to be this NFL roster. And uh, Before I let you go, we're talking to Steve Court, former Saints offensive lineman. Uh, played a long time with the Saints, obviously. I mentioned when we were doing the show on, what was it, last Friday, uh, Teron Armstead got together with – a bunch, and I'm talking dozens of other NFL offensive linemen this offseason. They did kind of a, a camp, kind of a group kind of get-together, just talked, went over some stuff, had meetings. Any, anything ever, like that ever happened when you were playing? Is that something that's kind of no. cool that can benefit that everybody across the league? First of all, that never happened, and, and logistics of it uh, would never happen because guys would be saying, how in the world am I going to get out there? It's going to cost me more. Well, I can drive. You know, we can like, right. you know, carpool or something like that. Now guys just, you know, hire a charter and they go out there okay right. so look i, I think it, it's a, a certainly a situation that that i would have certainly enjoyed uh being part of a, a group of uh you know other nfl guys that uh, were sort of at the top of their game and and then you know being able to sort of exchange ideas and and uh techniques and things like that and uh yeah i, I think that would have been a lot of fun and again i don't know sort of all the the, the innuendos of what they did or did not do. Um, but it was certainly would I'm going to talk to Toronto and find out about it. Some, some of the things they did and kind of went over it and, and kind of find out what a, you know, a typical day was. It'd be kind of interesting to find that out. Yeah. It's, I guess it's kind of a coast to coast brotherhood now, uh, with offensive linemen. At least seems like that's kind of how Toronto was well, you know, talking it, about in the media. It's sort of, it sort of always is anyway. It's almost an unsaid thing, but at the same time, um, when you do get together with other guys that are, and especially offensive linemen, you realize that, um, I don't know, for lack of a better term, it's almost like everybody's the same. They just got different faces. You know, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of this neat esprit de corps thing that you have. And, uh, it, it's just, it's a, it's a comfortable setting because you don't really have to explain yourself. If that makes sense. Uh, everybody sort of understands where everybody's coming from. Yeah, and of course, it's the smart guys in the room who would actually get together and do something like this, right? Of course, uh, the smartest men in the room are those offensive linemen. Well, of course, you know, <laughs> of course, absolutely. <laughs> it would be anywhere else. <laughs> He's Steve Court at Saint Sixty on Twitter. Give him a follow there, and you can hear him and myself on Sunday, eleven o'clock for fans first take, getting ready for Saints Chargers. We'll talk to you then, Steve. I'll see you then. Bye. All right. Let's talk to you then. And there he goes. We're going to open up the phone lines now for you. Let's talk some Saints. Let's talk some LSU. Let's talk anything in this wide, wide world of sports. 504-260-1870. That's the phone number. It's area code 504-260-1870. Text line 870-870. I'm Seth Dunlap. Logan's behind the glass. And this is the last lap on WWL. It's making me want to go second line, Logan. And guess what? We're going to have a chance to second line Houdat style instead of Guinness Book of World Records doing it. Welcome back to the show. Seth Dunlap here. You just heard the phone number. And the text line is open at 870-870. I got a text from the 504 saying, Hi, Mr. Court. Thanks for reading my text earlier, Seth. There you go. All right. There you got a little shout out to Steve Court. So the 
Hoodats are an awesome bunch, of course. You're part of that. I'm part of that. We're all part of it here in this city. I think what 99.759% of the population is. And we do stuff like this. At noon on Sunday, November 3rd, we're going to have a chance again to set a world record doing a second line. The, the organizers who organized that uh, blackout and gold second line parade that was really cool in February, part of Boycott Bowl, well, the organizers of that are organizing what they hope is going to be the largest second line in world history. It's the first time Guinness is going to attempt to document the number of participants in a New Orleans-style second line. Everybody knows what the Guinness Book of World Records is. I don't need to go over that. But what they're saying is that second line must be at least 1,000 participants large to set the record. I don't think that's going to be a problem. <laughs> if 1,000 is all we needed to set the record, we could have set that, I don't know, seven different times in the last month, month and a half. With the Dr. John second line and the Art Neville second line. And probably this one, too. And the reason I say it's not going to be a problem, Saints-wise, is, well, there were 30,000 Saints fans who turned out to that original event on February 3rd, the Boycott Bowl. I would imagine, as word gets around here, and we're helping spread that word, this is going to be just as big. Again, Sunday, November 3rd, chance to set a Guinness Book of World Records. You can find the story, WWL.com. We will take a break. When we come back, we'll have an update on our Blue Runner Gumbo opinion poll. If the Saints can keep only one of these receivers, and you only get one, you only get one. This is you playing coach and general manager. These are how tough these decisions are going to get. You can only keep one of these receivers. Austin Carr, Little Jordan Humphrey, Emmanuel Butler. Who are you keeping? You tell me, and we'll update you on that poll when we come back on the last lap. There's a great feature on our website right now, SaintsFansWWL.com, from Amos Morale third on Saints wide receiver Little Jordan Humphrey. Headline, Saints Little Jordan Humphrey knows he has more to prove despite strong debut. And, yes, he does know that. Great article by Amos Morale. Go check it out. I just tweeted it out at Seth Dunlap. Our Blue Runner Gumbo opinion poll, we told you which one of these three receivers are you keeping. If you can only keep one, Austin Carr, Little Jordan Humphrey, or Emmanuel Butler. And there's three different kind of arcs here for these player. One, Carr was on the team last year, had some catches in games, regular season games. I think he had one in the playoffs. might have had one in the playoffs. Little Jordan Humphrey, stand out of the game last Friday with a touchdown catch. And Emmanuel Butler, when he's been healthy at training camp, well, he's been a standout there. And right now, if you're keeping just one of these guys, like I expected Emmanuel Butler running away with it, 74%. And the reason I let, narrowed it down to just one is, well, it might come down to that. It might come down to just one. How many receivers do you think the Saints are keeping? Five? Maybe six? We got three spots locked up. Maybe four if you throw Keith Kirkwood in there. Kirkwood, Traquan Smith, Ted Ginn Jr., Michael Thomas. That's four. I do not think that they're going to cut Keith Kirkwood. That It would blow my mind a little bit if that happened but maybe if they think Emmanuel Butler and Little Jordan Humphreys are the truth maybe that'll actually happen Saints training camp sound in prime cuts today brought to you by the sound banking of first American bank and banking tradition 
since 1910. And today's player of the day, it's going to be a little Jordan Humphrey. Who's going places? Little Jordan Humphrey brought to you by Toyota dealers. Let's go places. Also, Houdat Nation, you're going to get ready for the official Houdat Nation Rally and Music Festival Friday, September 6th, Saturday, September 7th, and Sunday, September 8th. Great food, good music, a big-time family fun on the grounds of the Jefferson Performing Arts Center in Metairie. And you got to listen to this lineup. George Porter Jr., The Guess Who, Lost Boy Ramblers, Cowboy Mouth, lots more, plus tributes to Dr. John, Art Neville, Alan Toussaint, Fats and all the legends that we've lost. Get your tickets now for the official Houdat Rally and Music Fest presented by Bud Light. For more information and tickets, visit HoodatNationEvents.com. That's HoodatNationEvents.com. Just one hour down, two to go here on the show. Next hour, we go inside NFL training camp a couple of times. We go to Cincinnati. We go to the Raiders. Plus, NFL again showing its Teflon can't be damaged. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ucalypt speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.